Welcome to the weekly podcast from Harvest Ridge Church in North Ridgeville, Ohio. Our heart's desire is that you would grow in your love and devotion to Jesus Christ and that these messages will strengthen your daily walk. For more information about our church, visit us on the web at www.harvestridge.net. Howdy, howdy. Happy almost Valentine's Day. Okay, this is your warning, everyone. You have just a few days left remaining. Go get something real quick for your loved one. Anyway, so I get the joke this morning. So um, She's making fun of me that I don't tell a joke right, so let's see how she does. (laughs) Let's go, Robin. Help me out. Help me out. Okay, so a couple was married, is married 40 years. They just got through celebrating at their 40-year anniversary party, and they come home exhausted, and they're just sitting, and they're just sitting there doing nothing and looking at each other, and an angel comes in and goes, hey, congratulations, you've been married 40 years, I'm going to grant each of you a wish. And the wife quickly pops up and goes, I would like a trip around the world, I would like to see all the cities that I've never seen, and poof, in our hands, tickets to Paris, Rome, Tokyo, all around the place. So the husband looks at that and he's like, wow, okay. So Angel turns to the husband, what would you like for your 40th year anniversary? And he said, I would like a wife that's 30 years younger. And all of a sudden, poof, he was 90. Oh, goodness. Wow. And now I'm supposed to follow that, huh? All right. We're, we're, we're talking about uh, parenting today in our house. Parenting. All right. So any, any parents in the place? Wave at me if you're a parent. Oh, yeah. All right. Lots of parents. So good. We're going we're gonna to talk. Do you ever wish that God would have made parenting like a paint-by-number set? Do you, know, do you know what I'm talking about? When, when you got your little like picture and it had here paint number one and here paint number two, and if you put number one on number one and number two on number two, the picture came out the right way? You're not like me putting number four on 17? And then you get a Picasso? <laughs> do you, do, I, I seriously have thought about this. I wish God would have given us a manual that was like a paint-by-the-number manual, that I could do X, Y, and Z the way he says, and therefore my kids will turn out with the picture I had for them. Didn't happen. Doesn't happen. So, um, our house, we're going to talk about parenting today, and we're going to admit the fact that we don't know what we're doing. Do you know what's funny? Pastor Matt told you, oh, he hears us fighting when we're preaching. We have said to people, you know when we fight? We fight when we're preaching together because we have two minds coming together. But it's funny because we fought when we were parenting our kids, now that they're all grown, and now we fight over preaching about parenting the kids. So (laughs) even at this, we're completely confused. So I don't know. uh, Your money's refunded on the way out the door. That's all I know. Yeah. The loss, the blind leading the blind today. But what we do want to do is we want to talk about our house, and we want to talk instead about how to paint the perfect number to create the right kids, because this can be applicable to you guys even now. What we want to do is we want to talk about basically 
two, three principles about how to parent. So instead of looking at our world, our world's upset, things aren't going the way we want, instead of looking at our world, our neighbors, complaining about them, I think our number one job is to take care of our house. So uh, when I say our house, I'm reminding you I'm talking about our house, but I'm also talking about our house, like your house, and then I'm talking about our house, this house here. So we understand when we talk about our house, these are some basic rules that govern all we do, and we call them house rules. So um, house rules, before we get to what the rules are, can we give you the scripture that backs it up? Would you stand to your feet in honor of God's word? And let's do house rules verse. Y'all ready? Can you, when we get to the yellow part, can you guys say it with me? So Joshua 24, 15 says, But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as as for for me and and my house, house, we we will will serve serve the the Lord. Lord. You guys did so much better than even last week. Let's do it again. Just the yellow part. But But as for for me me and my house, house, we we will serve serve the Lord. Lord. So Father, I pray that today... The declarations over this house would be a house of your lordship, peace and safety, direction and guidance and our interactions with one another, with you and with those outside our house. In the name of Jesus, we pray it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. So uh, there are three house rules we have for our house, for our house, for our house. Y'all ready? Three house rules. Here we go. First one is... Jesus is the Lord of our house. First and foremost, first rule that will help everything else fall into place is Jesus is the Lord of our house. Right. And then second, dad will love mom and And we'll prioritize each other. It's a key word. We will love and prioritize each other. Put each other first. And then last but not least, we will strive to raise godly, self-supporting, healthy adults. So that's what we're focusing on today is... Notice the word isn't children there, it's adults. Because you're, who you're actually raising is adults. They just might be in small body forms. <laughs> All right, so I, I was at a place this past week and I saw a survey of people from North Ridgeville. And uh, the, the category was top five moral and social beliefs in North Ridgeville. Y'all ready for this? Top five moral and social beliefs in North Ridgeville. And one of them was this, I believe children should be raised by a mother and father only if possible. So a moral belief is that a child should be raised by a mother and a father only if possible. Well, um, then I I looked on down the report and it said this, there were 3,300 communities, uh, family units uh, or households with kids And of those 3,300 with kids, 931 of them were single parents. That's North Ridgeville. So we may have a moral belief, a top five moral belief, but what we've got is we've got a problem. So So at Harvest Ridge, we know that there's many of you that are sitting here due to whatever life circumstance that you've found yourself in. And we want to tell you that we are your extended family. We are the ones that when the kids need help or they need a good influence, bring them to church. We are encouraging you to let us help you walk through this life and parent. We have several moms that have 
that have gone through, let their sons go through the Royal Ranger program, which is top-notch at Harvest Ridge, and that's a ministry to boys on Wednesday night, and those boys have come out like shining stars because they needed a male influence in their life. So if you find yourself in that situation, know that we're here to help you at Harvest Ridge. So um, a couple things about that. Number one, there's this moral belief. Second of all, there's this reality disconnect. And thirdly of all, what do you do about it? And that's what Pastor Robin just said. Um, the district, or the general superintendent of the Assemblies of God, we're part of the Assemblies of God, and our general superintendent is a guy named Doug Clay. That's the number one position in the Assemblies of God, authority-wise. That gentleman has spoken at this uh, very church, and when he spoke here, he told the story about how when he was about eight years old, his dad died. Uh, his father died, so he was a young boy that grew up without a father in the home. And he stood in this pulpit, this fairy pulpit, and told us that it was the men in this Royal Rangers group, it was the guys that he saw in the church on Sunday that would talk to him and pray with him, the ones that hung out with him in his youth group, the ones that he interacted with that took the place of a missing father in his life. And what we want to say in this place, even though you, know, even you, though you may have a moral belief about something, but your reality is different, this church exists to be the place where children grow up healthy into adults, healthy adults, even if they've got two strikes against them. You got it? All right. So we're all in this together. That being said, one of the things I want to talk to you about, uh, just give me two minutes here. All right. Good. Take two minutes. Yes. That one of my favorite words. We have a room back there in the back called the grandmother's room. Any of you serve in the grandmother's room? Wave at me. Any of you grandmothers? I have a few of you. All right. It's called the grandmother's room on purpose. I only wanted to staff it with grandmas. Here's why I wanted to staff it with grandmas. It's for babies after they're born. The mom comes back and you got this little like baby and you need somebody to help you out. And there ain't nobody like a grandma to take care of a little baby, right? All right. So, but I told the, I tell them all the time, grandmas, when you come into that room, your job is not just to hold the baby and keep the baby alive for an hour and a half. <laughs> You're that great is important. That, that, that is, is important. important. Yes. Your job is to keep the mother alive. Because what you're going to tell that mom is, I made it, you can too. Because here's one of the problems I have with the church is we've segmented it into age groups. Is we don't have grandmas talking to teenagers anymore. And if we don't have that happening, we're missing something because it's not our house. It becomes a divided house and a house divided cannot stand. So, so what I want us to be is I want us to be a church where the 13-year-olds and the 15-year-olds can interact with 80-year-olds and that that faith can germinate between the two like two corn plants, two corn stalks. You cannot grow corn with a single corn stalk. You've got to have other corn stalks around it for them to germinate together. Are you all following what I'm saying today? And what I want us to have is a place where that happens. And if that happens and you're in this place and you're an older, more mature person, we need you in kids' ministry. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but we're about 100 people more this t year than we were last year at the same time. Have you noticed that? And the previous year, we were about 100 people more than we were the year before that. And the previous year, we were 100 people more than that. You know what that means? We got a bunch of kids back there in the back that need somebody to love them and train them. And don't give me I'm too old because we'll find a way for you to do nothing but sit in a chair if we need to. But I need you to invest your faith in the next generation. Are y'all following me? Right. I, did I, I go off? No, you did great. Okay. All right. Thank you. 
Didn't, I meant that. Yeah, no, it's true. Anybody it's true. in the room doubt that I mean that? No? Do you doubt it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right, let's go ahead. Okay. So anyway, and in case you're wondering and you don't have a little one back there, um, there's a whole church that happens beyond these doors that are well almost 200, okay? So they have everything we have, but in an atmosphere that they can learn and, and Age-appropriate learning. Yeah, it's awesome. Anyway, so there are two statements that we want to make about parenting. Uh, first one is, children are not the priority. I know. Let that settle in for just a second. Children are not the priority. First, we have to love God first, like remember the first rule. And then we, re- we will look, at, for instance, at the story of Abraham and Isaac. House rule number one. House rule number one. House rule number one is what? Jesus is the Lord. So what's the priority of our household? Jesus. Jesus. You want to read that story? Sure. Genesis 22, 9 through 18. When they had reached the place that God had told them about, Abraham built an altar where there, where, and arranged wood on it. He bound his son Isaac and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then he reached out his hand and took a knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Abraham looked up and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the place, the Lord will provide. And to this day it is said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. All right. We wanted to read this story because when we were talking about the children are not the priority of the household, I thought we would go to the most important passage probably in the entire Bible that speaks this very clearly. Abraham was commanded by God to kill his son. And yet, Abraham didn't want to, but he made a priority decision. Who was first, God or his son? Now, that's the biggest lesson you can learn from this takeaway of this story. This story, though, is a little confusing, right? This sound like God? Hey, God says, kill your child. (laughs) That just doesn't sound like the God I know and serve, right? So I've often wondered, what's the meaning of this story? But there's a lesson there to Abraham, is that the blessing is to never be more important than the God of the blessing. That is a great lesson to take away from this story. And then there's a second lesson, though, that I think you might have missed. Twice in this passage, he says, take your son, your only son. Ask you a very simple question, those of you that know the Bible. Was, was Isaac his only son? He had another son, didn't he? He had another son named Ishmael. Why would God say, take your son, your only son, twice in this passage? Because it's not about Isaac. The story is about Jesus. It's about the ram, the lamb, 
that's going to be the one, the son, the only son that takes away the sin of the world. And it's about that last all nations on earth will be blessed through you. So the, when, we, when we talk about this, what we want to say very, very clearly is going from the story of Abraham and Isaac, which by the way, if Isaac was 13, it would not have been such a great sacrifice. <laughs> it's a joke. It's a joke. See, my joke's better. Sorry. <laughs> Just joking. Uh, it's a joke. Anyway, the, the whole point is that the priority is to be God. So the first priority is God, not your children. All right? The second priority is? Is to be your spouse more than your kids. Now, we, got put, we always get pushback. Last week, if you were here, we used the lifeboat illustration. It's about if there were two life vests and, you know, You're your whole family it's sinking. sinking, going down, and there's only two vests. And he said, I would give my life vest to my wife and she would give it to me, okay? And there's always pushback to that story because it sounds so cruel. However. But there is a overwhelming principle there that actually creates security in your household. I had one of those rugrats one time come up to me, and I'll call, I normally call them wonderful, awesome cherub, <laughs> known as children, but in this moment, they were rugrat. It came up to me and asked me for something, and I said, well, let's ask your mom. His face went a little sour. So I went to her and said, did they already ask you for something? And she said, yes. Now, there's some pretty harsh dis discipline that fell at that moment. Let me tell you why. Because that little child said what they were going to do is they were going to pit me against my wife to divide us. They were going to say one thing to her, ask something different here, and that's called being double-tongued, and that's called being divisive. And if you want to get in trouble in my household, you just try to cause a problem between me and my wife because she is my first priority on this earth. And that, that, that was the only time we ever had a child do that. Three children, that was the only time it ever happened. And they will do it. You guys know this, right? You're all like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they go to the softer one. You know, the one that will be like, sure, stay out until 4 a.m. No, I'm kidding. You know, but they, whoops. That's it's right. Okay. It's just so, the phone. Who yeah, cares? I didn't mean to bring it up here. So in any case, all that to say, because kids are smart. They'll divide us. So the choice to love your spouse teaches, loving your child, spouse first, it teaches something to your kids. It teaches them, first of all, that love is more than a feeling, an emotion, or a pleasure. It is a choice. Love is not love. Love is a choice. And we also want to teach them that commitment is healthy even when it costs you something. So we have several stories about this. But what came to our mind and popped into it was, you know, the, the kids who want to go, I want to play this, or I want to play that, or I want to play. And we had a standard rule that if you wanted to do something, sure, let's go ahead and try it. But you're going to fulfill your commitment. Sports-like example. For example, yeah, for sport. example sports. You're going to fulfill your commitment to your team because they're counting on you. I don't care if you get halfway through the season and you hate it. We are literally teaching that if you make a commitment, you have to follow through. You don't have to do it next year, but you need to follow through on your commitment. Right. So uh, choices have consequences. Do the right thing, even though it's difficult. That's the next one we learned. And then the fourth thing they learned by watching that level of commitment is? To serve the other person is a healthy part of life. So when they see parents serving each other, and that actually 
gives them put others first. So it's a healthy thing when a mom and dad serve each other and show that example to their children. So um, sometimes, since the goal is to raise adults, not children, sometimes it's counter, <clears throat> counterintuitive, some of the things you have to do. So you know what counterintuitive? Counterintuitive is when it, you're doing something that all reality would say, this sounds a little opposite of what we should do. So what was one of those <clears throat> examples we talked about? Well, so... Speaking of the team. Okay, so, so you know... Um, we had soccer players. Soccer is a wonderful, awful sport that um, if you've been to a kid's soccer game, they all go like an amoeba around, and that's so cute. But when it's um, 35 degrees, 40 degrees, and they're and all going and raining, and your son happens to be the goalie throughout his whole life, you are prepared for a mud soaking, okay? Like, I, I wish I had the picture. I should have put it up. Complete mud um, so it doesn't seem like you would normally send your children out in shorts and a t-shirt, maybe with something underneath at 40 degrees, but yet you do it because it's being part of the team, right? So sometimes raising an adult is counterintuitive to what you would do for them as a child. You've got to make bigger choices than the choice. So yes, even though we tried to put them in warm enough clothes, when it's rainy, and it's 35 degrees, and they're playing soccer, I don't normally send my kids, hey kids, go stand out in shorts in the rain today. Right, are, are y'all? But because there is a bigger goal than this goal, we commit to this goal. So I also, uh, my kids never had an option whether or not they were gonna come to church. I don't understand parents that say to me, yeah, I was gonna bring my 13 year old, but they didn't wanna come. <laughs> I just don't understand that. Because um, here's the deal, it's my job to be the parent, and I would force them to go play that soccer game. Well, I'm going to get their keisters in church where it ought to be. <laughs> and one other thing, one other thing. Um, I, I, this is such a great quote, I had to throw it in. It somehow fits here, it somehow doesn't. So let me say this about raising adults. Just because you're standing on third, it doesn't mean you hit a triple. Maybe the only reason you're there is you've got to walk and somebody sacrificed you over. Y'all following? And if you're going to go anywhere in life, somebody's making sacrifices to make that happen. All right, second one is? Uh, parenting isn't easy. All the parents in the room say to Hardy, amen. Um, so uh, before we had kids, you know, I had three theories on parenting and how to do it and no kids. Then we got three kids with absolutely no theories. You know, all theories are gone. All theories are gone when you have kids. And all of those kids are different and they have different personalities and you are trying to negotiate the best you can. All right, we're gonna handle this quick, all right? Because we have an ending today that's on purpose, all right? So this is quick. Hebrews chapter 12, verse nine. Moreover, we all have human fathers who disciplined us, who disciplined us, and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? They disciplined us, their parents disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. Does that say as was perfect? It says as they thought best. Um, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline is pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained for it. So discipline isn't fun but it's necessary. So oftentimes lack of discipline is a form of neglect. 
lack of discipline. Now, I have an illustration for this. I was at Aldi's probably last fall. The weather had turned, and there was a baby. You know how babies go through their naked phase? Do you know what I'm saying, where they're stripping off their clothes all the time? You got... You guys know what I'm talking about, where you put them, you get them dressed, and then, you know, they're like nine months old, and they're stripping off their clothes, and you're like, uh, I mean, in the house, you know, it's 70 degrees, it's no, not such a big deal. There was a child at Aldi's that was not clothed, and the mom was walking around saying, well, they took their clothes off, and I'm like, woman, it is like, they don't even know the temperature outside. It's like 40 how, degrees. How can you do this? And that, a three-year-old walking around yeah. without a shirt on. Uh, well, they were even younger than that. And think about it, that's a form of neglect. So that lack of discipline actually ended up into neglect on taking care of the child. So if you're going to parent, very simple line, we're just going to skip to here. I'm going to say this, the parent has to be more disciplined than the child. <laughs> and we're just going to give you three house rules that we have, three rules that we have, oversight, priorities, whatever thoughts, about discipline. You, you cannot change what you choose to tolerate. So if you choose to tolerate something, then it's not gonna change. But I, as a dad, I have to be more disciplined of me to make sure, well, to make sure that number two isn't happening. And if it's funny one time, it's gotta be funny all the time. And if it gets disciplined one time, it needs to get disciplined every time. See, here's the problem, parents. When you're tired, sometimes you ignore what you would discipline for at another moment. That's the reason you have to be more disciplined than your children. Your children will never exceed your level of discipline. And discipline has to be age appropriate. So you wouldn't ask a three-year-old, do you want to stay home or go to the store with me? Just like you wouldn't ask a six-month-old, would you like a diaper change? They're not capable of answering those. So you make the discipline age appropriate. All right. And what you allow will become normal. What you allow will become the norm. So if you don't want something, don't ever let it start. Because once it starts, there ain't no putting that water, that spilled water back. You're not picking it up off the ground. And parents have to learn to discipline their issues first. All right, all the parents in the room, get ready. Because we all have issues, right? All right, I'm going to do this in 30 seconds. I was listening to a podcast this past week, and the guy said this. He literally said, I would be a much better dad if I were a little more messy. And that hit me like a ton of bricks, because here's the deal. This is my quote. My coping strategy of dealing with tension is perfectionism. Anybody run into that in this church? <laughs> my coping strategy is perfectionism. Uh, and it makes me incredibly unloving at times especially to my more emotionally well-balanced wife. What I'm saying is this. Make sure that your own pathologies don't roll over on everybody around you. And, and I'm going to give the second part of that, okay? I have my own issues. And that's why marriage, and that's why it uh, works so well when parenting, because I need to fix some of my issues to make it easier on some of his issues. Does that make sense to you guys? So we work like... We're a team. We're disciplining we're team. each other, yes. actually. Yeah. Most yes. of our life has been her disciplining me and me disciplining her together. So help because each other out. You think of discipline wrongly. So I want to give you some Bible verses about discipline. So Proverbs 13, 24, the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them, 
Proverbs 15.5, a fool spurns a parent's discipline. Proverbs 19.18, discipline your children, for in that there is hope. Do not be a willing party to their death. Discipline is what says. So if you're a disciple of Jesus, a disciple is disciplined. All right, y'all got that? So discipline is whatever you do to make you stay on the right path. And let's not get into any more details because I've got somewhere to go. All right, so we were on this missions trip and Dan Archer tells a story. Dan Archer's story was about how he was walking along and he looked down and saw uh, his son following him. It was about a, a nine inch snow, he said. And he was stepping along and he saw his very young son walking along trying to put his foot in his dad's tracks because the snow was so deep. He was following his dad's track to try to get through the snow. And he realized this is what's going to happen my entire life. My son's going to try to walk in my tracks and I need to make sure that I'm being a little more careful in the tracks I'm making. And I, I, I heard that story. I was like, wow, that's fatherhood 101. That's parenting 101. He said he then narrowed his steps so his son could reach them. Y'all found this? But I had a little talk later on with all of his boys because we had three of his boys on the trip. And I said, hey, hey, when your dad spoke, were you a little afraid of him? And all of them said, yes. In case you don't know, his boys are all following Christ. They're all healthy, productive adults, members of society. They're good men. All of his kids are. And that's because dad was careful to make sure his steps were followable. But he also, you ready for this? He also disciplined them enough that they were afraid to mess with dad. One other thing about that. I was afraid to mess with my dad. I talked to a dozen people in this process. Yes, That's whatever. That's not me. I, if, if it's me, I don't know. Anyway, the whole process, the whole point's this. It's all right for man to act like a man. And one of the things we're missing in today's culture is our houses are missing men who act like men. And guys, there's this push and shove you're going to have. But God gave you to be a, made you to be a man. It's all right to act like it. I don't care what culture says. And ladies, you don't know everything. I know. It's hard to believe. It is. It's truly hard for me to believe, too. But I'm going to say, we sometimes think we have the corner on the parenting game. I'm going to say, now that retrospect and I can look backwards in time, I should have listened to him more. That is 100% accurate. <laughs> that that wasn't in the notes. I just threw that in. That's, wow. probably, that's probably a first service only thing, so I'm not going to say it twice. No. no. <laughs> but, I, but I will tell you, there is things and times and places that I 100% should have listened because he was coming across stronger and I was on the more lenient side. So keep that in mind. All right. Go we, got, we got clock. Clock's yep. done. This is the most important part. I've got things to say. We've got more in our notes. We're just going to leave them. All right? We're going to celebrate communion now. And this is going to be our house communion, okay? So we're going to do our house communion differently today because um, I really felt the Holy Spirit direct us to do it. So we're just going to do what I feel the Holy Spirit direct. So this is what we're going to do. If you're in this room, in just a second, we're going to pass out these elements. I tell you what, let's come start passing out the elements. Can I tell Pastor Ashley's story? No, wait, wait. Okay. We'll tell it after we get the elements out. 
So we're going to pass out the elements so our ushers are coming. We have open communion at Harvest Ridge. Everybody, please, if you will respect this moment, grab an element, let's celebrate together, all right? If you'll respect this moment, the Bible says to eat unworthily, which means disrespecting the moment. So we have open communion. You don't have to be a member of Harvest Ridge. We do ask that you respect the moment today. And uh, if you'll respect it, celebrate with us. And um, yeah, we'll receive this together. All right, I'm, do you want to tell yeah, Pastor tell Ashley's story now? So many of you know Pastor Ashley Hattinger. She, uh, she grew up here. She actually started attending when she was a teenager, 15, by herself, and um, went on to go ahead and marry Pastor Mike. She came on staff, went to Bible college. But let me tell you what happened with Pastor Ashley. She wasn't always Pastor Ashley. She actually, first time at church, came and we did a communion very similar to what you're about to do. And she didn't have any family that day. She had nobody with her. So we asked her to come join our family. And we had our teenagers and we asked her to come join our family. And and that day, she was saved. But she felt that she was accepted. I want to make sure my end of my story was right. She was accepted with the love of a family that wasn't actually her blood family. And I want to tell you in here today, if you guys are sitting here and you're alone, I don't care what your age is, you could be 85 years old and you're alone. You are part of a greater family, which is how we started when we started the whole sermon. And I want to tell you that we're going to graft you in to one of these families because in just a few minutes, we're going to move to wherever your family is. Okay, and if you do not have a family with you, I'm going to ask every person, every group to look around and swoop them in like we did Pastor Ashley, because you could be changing the trajectory of that person's life forever. Pastor Ashley. Uh, Pastor Ashley and Pastor uh, Mike, um, our church is now supporting them. Uh, they're going to be taking over a church and they're relaunching a new church down in, well, it's not, I can't say yet because it's not 100%. <laughs> the vote doesn't happen until two weeks. It's not official weeks. yet. But it's not official. But they're it's still happening. a part of us even if they're not here. So Because no. she's always going to be a part of our family because of what happened in one day. She went through internships. She went through church. The, the reason we're doing, we're going to do communion this way today is because I want you and I'm talking to you. This is a singular you because it's going to you. Every single you in this room, everyone listening, you belong here. You're a part of our family. The biggest life change you're ever going to have is when you really accept that and you move in. Quit hiding from us and step in and be a part of the family. It's time for you to step in. It's time for you to become a part of the family. Not just somebody that sneaks in the back door and runs out. Part of the family. First line is Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. So in this space today, if you've not made Jesus your Lord, in your small group, in just a second, if you want to confess Jesus as Lord, what you're going to do is look at everybody and say, I made Jesus my Lord today. Because we're going to do this as a family. You belong. You belong. You belong.
you got a place to belong. I was reading a book this morning, and it's on brain science. And I woke up, and for some reason, I started reading it. Once again, they said the greatest predetermining factor of whether people live their lives in addiction is whether or not they have somebody that looks at them and loves them. I love you too. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's awkward. It's weird. It's awesome. It's a little weird, but you know what, big guy? I think you're awesome. That's how family interacts, right? When was the last time you were in the house of God and you really knew for a fact you belong? Well, today is going to be the next time. Today is your next time. And we're going to deal with addictions and those kind of things a little differently. We're going to deal with them by giving your soul what it needs rather than what you're feeling it with. All right. Don't enough. I'm getting all excited. All right, here's what we're going to do. Come on up. Has everybody served? Everybody been served? Come on up, ushers, real quickly. Let's get those things back up here. And this is how we're going to end. Y'all ready? I've been incredibly disciplined today, haven't we? Look at the clock. Look at your clock. We've been disciplined because this is a priority. You need one of those? Does anyone need gluten-free? I'm going to come around to you if you do. Can you wave at me? Gotcha. You doing? Got it, got it. Got yours? Do you have yours? All right, awesome. So, in my, thank you, thank you. In my reading of the scriptures this week, you are about to celebrate the body of Christ. And in the scriptures, the body of Christ is not just the body that was crucified on the cross. Look to the right and the left. You are the body of Christ. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to get family units. So if you have family here, if you have family in this room, go, you're going to go to them and you're going to get in a group and somebody from that family is going to lead you through communion. You're going to pray for the bread and you're going to pray for the cup. And listen, if, if you're one of those people, I could never do that. This is an appropriate prayer. Thank you, Jesus, for dying. Thank you, Jesus, for new life. Y'all ready? That's good enough. All right? You don't have to be eloquent here. So you're going to get in groups. This is what's going to happen. If you're in this room and you don't have a family, you have an open arm because you're going to ask somebody that is not a part of your family to become a part of your family in this moment. Y'all got it? So we're not going to eat this sitting down. We're not going to hit, eat this hiding. Everybody up on your feet, mass pandemonium, make it happen. And everybody has a place to belong. Everybody. Everybody.